chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Ha! Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus. Yes. And we are live here on the beat. Back a new season of On the Beat Live for the 2023-2024 UNC Athletics season. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on YouTube and in podcast form. We have here tonight myself, John, we have Jeremiah, we have Adam, and we have new intern, Evan. So thank you, everyone, for joining us. How's your summer? Are you excited for a, a new season here of On the Beat Live? Getting some bad. I'm getting a bad situation here. Can you hear me? We can hear you, Adam. We can hear you. I'm getting like it does. It's like a double play. I don't know. What's possible is you might be listening to the YouTube. So I've had. Ah, oh, you're right. That's what you I'm have, doing. You have the link open. Okay. All right. We're back. We are back. Who's making the rookie mistakes here? <laughs> it's not Evan. It's the old dude. This is what I get. Is, is this a sign of like early onset all Alzheimer's or dementia or something? I mean, we, we wouldn't go that far. Abs open. It's like when you call the radio station and they're like, "Turn down your radio. We can hear you." Know, unbelievable. Don't even come back to me. <laughs> got like text messages. People are mad at me here. We need the uh, the mute button. Like in around the horn, Adam. Oh you're yeah, in, uh, you're in timeout. <laughs> Jeremiah, Jeremiah, how how was your summer? Are you excited for the uh, the show to get back here? My summer was good, man. Um, you know, being back in the area, obviously, um, you know, being able to do some work and also being able to kind of catch up with people, things like that. Uh, summer's certainly over. Uh, it's, it's it's game week, as they say. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it, man, and I'm ready to you know get to rocking and get into rolling as well. Awesome, and Evan. Joining us here for the first time on a podcast, Evan. How have your first few days, weeks at Inside Carolina been? And, and can you kind of introduce yourself to to the group here? Yeah, it, it's been great so far. Um, my name's Evan Rogers. I'm I'm guess the uh, the new new kid around the block, new intern uh, with Inside Carolina. Currently a junior at UNC. Uh, just finished up a summer where I had the privilege to be an intern with the Pro Football Hall of Fame out in Canton, Ohio, which was really cool. Uh, got to do some really cool work, some cool research out uh, in Ohio and, and to meet some cool people. Uh, this is now, gosh, going on week three, I think, with Inside Carolina now, and it's been awesome. Uh, Adam and Jeremiah have really helped me hit the ground running, uh, get, getting some articles up. And like Jeremiah said earlier, it's game week, and you can definitely feel – different kind of energy both within the Keenan football center and around campus uh, with, you know, the game coming up this weekend and just excited to, you know, be along for the ride with you guys. I mean, we let's need- be honest here. Jeremiah and Evan add much needed youth, uh, <laughs> handsomeness, great hair. Uh, you know, like it's like, if it's the scales of justice, it's they're they're doing a lot of the, the heavy lifting here with my old decrepit butt. So but if I could, if I could speak to uh, to to Evan, join us. He's been great. We were looking forward to having him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he said hit the ground running. He really has. We Jeremiah and, and I have been putting him to work, and the guy's been working hard. He, um, he this kid is going places. You know that. You know how we bring back some of the people that have starred for us in the past. You know we'll be bringing back Evan at some point. I'm sure we'll be bringing back Jeremiah too. Um, to uh, bless us with all the places they're headed. 
Um, but we've 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 loved having him. Um, and our loyal listeners and and uh, audience here should know that Jeremiah and Evan have been busting their butt this camp. Um, it's a grind for the writers too, and um, I think they've done a great job. So anyway, sorry to interrupt. Please continue. Thank you. I was going to say we should go ahead and take the uh, intern label off of Evan right away. I mean, first radio hit, first <laughs> podcast hit, he nailed it. So great job, yeah, Evan. Yeah. I do, before we get into business here a little bit, I want to take a moment to just acknowledge everything that happened on campus yesterday. Um, it was a really scary day for everyone involved in the Chapel Hill community. Um, so we want everyone to know that our, our thoughts are with everyone um, you know, who was around campus, everything that happened yesterday. Um, that's definitely been on everyone's minds on on Tommy's mind um, who's not here tonight but I know it was on on his mind as well so we're keeping that in mind tonight um, as as we're moving forward with the show I think there's going to be some uh, a bell tower ringing tomorrow on campus and I think a vigil as well tomorrow night for that event so we're keeping our, our thoughts and prayers with Chapel Hill at this time there's no natural transition back into football, but we're going to get into to business a little bit here. Talk about uh, the UNC football season that's upcoming uh, this weekend. Obviously, UNC plays South Carolina. But yesterday, we had a press conference with Mac Brown, with Chip Lindsey, with Gene Chizik. I'm going to start off with you, Adam. From all those press conferences, and we know Mac likes to talk. I think it was 45 minutes yesterday. What was your number one biggest takeaway from the press conferences? Jeez, just one. Um, yeah, uh, well, you knew. I mean, it seems like when you turn the corner into the first week, the first game week of the season, you know Mac is going to be ready to roll. And, uh, I mean, last year, obviously, there was a lot of, you know, sort of excitement, holding of the breath. Will it be Drake May? Will it be Jacoby Criswell at quarterback? We That was sort of what you had, uh, you know, on the on the bullseye that you were looking toward and you know that now with the tez walker situation just all sorts of stuff going on you you knew that mac would have plenty of uh topics to cover um i'm trying to think what my biggest takeaway was i you know we had evan work on a story about you know chip Lindsay's getting ready to call his first game at unc not that he hasn't called games in the past but you know with all the different things that are happening around this team it seems like I don't know. That might be a little bit lost. You know, Drake May has a new play caller. Um, Phil Longo did pretty well with Sam Howell and Drake May. I don't know if that was my biggest takeaway. I thought I thought uh, it was interesting that Mac uh, said it's um, he has this coaching staff has the fewest egos he's ever been around. Um, you know, I think you can interpret that a lot of different ways. I, I guess I would say my biggest takeaway was that. Mac talking about egos that aren't there. And he said, uh, you know, with Cedric Gray, with the Cedric Grays of the world, with the DJ Joneses, Drake Mays, British Brooks, that this might very well be the most unselfish team he's been around. You know, he had a lot of most – Mac's been around a while. I think his 35th year as a head coach. Um, but I thought those two things were pretty interesting. Jeremiah, what about for you? What were some of your biggest takeaways from all the press conferences yesterday? Certainly. Um, I think one thing that's pressing and a lot of people are thinking about, and Adam did bring it up, what would life without Tez Walker potentially look like for you would see? Um, is Saturday the, you know, trial run of that? We're not sure. We haven't, you know, no, the NCAA hasn't reinstated him. They haven't granted him uh, that eligibility yet. But what could that potentially look like? I think that's a conversation you have to have now throughout camp. Uh, you know, or really the last few weeks, you know, after the the Tez Walker news was announced, they were pretty clear that they were prepared to have Tez week one. That was their whole thing. We're banking on him being there, things like that. Well, we're, you know, four or five days away. There's still no news on that. So who do you look to? Um, so naturally, people were asking about that. Um, names that Mac Brown brought up were Kobe Pesor, obviously somebody that stepped up a lot. When Josh Downs went down, um, if I have the, the numbers correct, he had – it was three games where he had at least five catches and 70 yards. All of those games were games in which Josh Downs did not play. Then you have somebody like a J.J. Jones who was fourth in receiving yards last season. His name came up. Andre Green's name came up as well. And so, you know, those are some of the, 
you know, younger guys that have a little bit of experience that you could potentially look to. I know throughout the season, Nate McCollum's a the guy they're going to be looking for. That's why they brought him in there as well. Um, but when it comes to Tez in particular, looking to kind of fill in the role of a number one. Oh, and also you do have someone like a Bryson Nesbitt who was actually third in, in, uh, in receiving yards last year, third in catches and yards. He was the primary pass catching tight end that they had. They're obviously pretty deep in that tight end room as well. Um, and then the depth chart came out yesterday, had George Petaway out there in the slot. That's another option. It's not somebody that they're probably going to be looking to get a bunch of targets to, but it's it's just another way that they're going to be able to use him. So I think there's going to be options for Drake May to pass the ball too. It's just the dynamic of not having him out there. And then also um, from a kind of off-field standpoint, but, you know, kind of related, Mac Brown was saying yesterday that, um, you know, he that that Tez was struggling a little bit, you know, with his confidence kind of in practice. And, you know, that's the mental aspect of that, too. You know, you're, you're coming to North Carolina expecting to play, expecting to have this homecoming game, uh, you know, in Charlotte week one. Um, and now, you you know, just a few days away from it, not being sure, not sure if that is uh, still going to happen. Um, so we'll we'll certainly have to see. I know that uh, Lonnie Galloway and, and, and Mac Brown, as he said during the press conference, uh, you know, they're they're encouraging him to stay ready. They're encouraging him to be prepared for no matter what happens, to be able to just kind of go in and go. Um, and so, yeah, so that's a situation we're continuing to monitor. But I thought that was interesting. Chip Lindsey has good things to say about Kobe Pesor as well when when I asked about uh, you know, what Kobe Pesor has been doing well. He said that Pesor has been improving a lot since even the time that uh, that he arrived uh, in uh, late fall, early spring. So um, I thought that was something that that really stood out because that's such an unknown. And, uh, you know, as, as we get closer to game time, it's something that we'll have to continue to pay attention to. Yeah, we're getting into this situation with Tez, which I thought we're, would never, we'd never reach this point where is there a possibility that, Tez Walker is not declared eligible before the South Carolina game. He sits the South Carolina game, and then somehow he is declared eligible later in the season. I mean, to me, that is absurd because the facts of this case are the facts. There's no investigation that needs to be done. There's no, like, I think the only thing that's holding this up, it feels like at this point, is administrative backlog or perhaps Tez Walker potentially getting to speak his case in front of the NCAA committee. But there should be no scenario in which he misses a game or two or three because the NCAA is behind on their paperwork. That's the part that I think is really confusing to me. Adam, have you gotten a sense that, you know, is that a, is that a possibility that he could be declared eligible later in the season? Or, or what's your sense there? Well, yeah, I don't want to leapfrog Evan, although – I will if he tried to box me out. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I think that this is the NCAA we're talking about here, right? I mean, we love it. We love them when they put on March Madness, but you know, I think that this is yet another reason why people despise the NCAA, the hypocrisy of it. Um, I'm sure if you're a UNC fan and you've looked at uh, Storm Duck and Cam Kelly, who have transferred twice since December – uh, and are eligible. Of course, they're grad transfers, and that's a different entity. Um, but, you know, that's part of the hair pulling. I, I, what I was going to say, John, is that the more we have learned about this or the more that you hear about this, uh, you know, we're try- we've tried to dig as much as we could, but it sounds like, I don't know this definitively, but, you know, if you, if, if, if the story we had on Tamari Fox, I think we, that we ran last week, there was some insight in there that Tamari had that gives you an idea of what these eligibility cases and appeal processes are like. And, you know, Tamari, I would encourage everyone to read the Tamari story because of, you know, he laid it out there. You know, he said that he, when he was appealing his season-long suspension uh, for, for a banned substance, you know, I wasn't sure what that even meant. I, I assumed it meant something like this, where you're on a Zoom or you're on some sort of Microsoft Teams thing and you're like talking to uh, the president of the NCAA or someone who handles these cases. Um, but, you know, Tamari was on a speakerphone uh, and he could not see anyone. 
he did not know who anyone was. He said very candidly in the story, uh, you know, it sounded like some people were driving home from work. <laughs> sounded like someone might have been shopping. Uh, and you can imagine how this would make the young man feel when this is his very life as a player hanging in the balance. Uh, you know, I think we had him quoted as saying he just thought it was not the most professional thing. And Tamari said, now, now I'm sure cases are different in subtle ways, but Tamari said, you know, he could not even tell them who he was. He had to present his appeal, his information. And then they heard that and they said, by the way, they told Tamari, we'll get back to you in a week or two. And Tamari said they didn't hear for like a month. So, uh, you know, it sounds like UNC with Tez, uh, is simply trying to get an appeal hearing scheduled with the NCAA. So if that hasn't been scheduled yet, like what are the chances this thing gets scheduled, done, and resolved in the next four days? I don't know. Maybe it does. But it seems like, to go back to, to your question, John, it very well might not be resolved. He might be on the sidelines in Charlotte, not in uniform, because Max said – we. You know, we won't suit him up if if he's not eligible. Um, but they're going to, like like Max said yesterday, they're going to take his shoulder pads, they're going to take his uniform, they're going to take his helmet. But I think that it's it, it's wild. I think that if you if you refer to that Tamari story, the, the behind-the-scenes aspects that he tells you about what they went through, um, you know, it's it's sort of crazy uh, to, to think about that that's how they do business. Um, so... We'll see. You know, as Jeremiah rightly pointed out in the story he wrote yesterday, that that I think there is a glimmer of hope with the way the the case worked out with the kid from Colorado, the Wilkerson running back, whose appeal was granted. Um, but you know, yeah, I, I I think I think who knows? I think it might be a situation where Carolina plays two games and then Tess finds out. Carolina plays a game and then Tess mm-hmm. finds out. I I don't know. You would think. They, they would want to have this resolved before a season starts. But who knows with these people? Yeah, and then just real quick, uh, for what it's worth, Colorado had Wilkerson approved. They also had an offensive lineman whose waiver was denied as well. So you just, I just don't really know at this point. Same team, but Same team. yeah. <laughs> right. And maybe they got to Colorado first because Colorado is C and North Carolina is N. They're going alphabetically. <laughs> I mean, no one has any idea at this point. I want to bring Evan in here. Evan, your take on uh, press conference takeaways, maybe focusing on the defensive side of the ball. We heard from Gene Chizik yesterday. Did you have any takeaways from Gene Chizik's press conference? Yeah, I mean, Gene is always a, a very candid guy, very keeps it uh, never up, too up, too down kind of a guy. Um, Matt kind of talked about earlier this offseason um, how he's kind of picked on Gene a little bit, joked around with him, talked about just – about you know how poor the defense was last year and it, it's kind of put a real chip on Gene's shoulder um one of the big things they talked about both Gene and Mac were talking about the communication uh on the back end when it comes to both the defensive backs and the safeties um with Charlton Warren and I think Jason Jones is that the correct name mm-hmm. um two guys reuniting that were coaching together at Indiana um and now together at North Carolina how that communication he's seen mass improvement in obviously last year defense as a whole wasn't great for UNC and I think a lot of people pointed at times to the secondary and, and the lack of, of coverage there um and then kind of just another thing to bounce off that uh Matt kind of had a, a fun little five ten minute spiel there at the end um where he was pretty fired up just about <laughs> the thought of playing South Carolina again uh it's funny Adam bringing up Tamari Fox I think that was Tamari Fox's last game he played in was that uh, Duke's Mayo in twenty nine or twenty twenty one. Um, he didn't play in that one. No, oh, he didn't play in that, that one. Oh, that's where he, that was where he found out, right? Is that what yeah, it was? We were up there. We yeah, were up there, and the game's getting ready to kick off. I believe it was an eleven a.m. game on December thirtieth. Yeah. So mm. I'm not sure what kind of state everyone was in, but it was like a morning <laughs> kickoff. Uh, right. Beautiful December thirtieth morning in Charlotte. Not really, but uh, but I, I mean, literally like five minutes before kickoff. Uh, the word came through the press box like uh, Tamari Fox will not be playing today. He's ineligible. So yeah, but, but, yeah, so. you're you missed it by one game. That was <laughs> Brooks's last game, Evan. 
Right. Yeah. And, and Mac was pretty fired up. I think, you know, everyone remembers that game for the most part with South Carolina running away with it 38 to 21. And Mac said something along the lines of he hates thinking about that game. He got rid of all his Duke Mayo bowl gear from that game. He said he regrets the game right now when he just turned 72 and he says he's probably going to regret it when he's 82. Um, hmm. Yeah. So it's definitely something that you can tell he's fired up about the opportunity to not only play the same team, but also the same team in the same building um, at Bank of America Stadium. And that is definitely sense of, you know, I don't know if urgency is the right word, but just more of a chip on your shoulder. It's definitely uh, passed down, especially on the defensive side of the ball with Gene Chizik. We've, we've talked a little bit about the defense. I want to go to, to Jeremiah and Adam here in terms of some injury updates. It's always hard to get rock-solid information, especially the, the week of the game. There's been some talk out of South Carolina all of a sudden that all their guys who are right on the line, uh, Juice Wells, Trey Knox, they're all healthy, good to go. Uh, I'll go to Jeremiah first on this one. What were some of the uh, discussions about uh, injured players, uh, in particular some of the guys in the secondary? Uh, what has UNC said about the status of, of Will Hardy, DeAndre Boykin, and, and what could you tell us? Uh, someone asked about Boykins during the press conference. I know Mag said they're going to kind of wait on him uh you know i they announced that uh freshman i put this on the boards they announced their freshman tight end julian randolph would be uh out for the year um but as far as the, some of those other guys um you know from camp i know they were kind of in that you know day-to-day bubble for a little bit uh, they didn't say a ton about them on monday um but i mean for what it's worth it, it had been a few weeks since some of those guys uh were announced to be um, you know, kind of out for um, for a little bit. But that's something to pay attention to. I know South Carolina, I was watching a little bit of their availabilities. I know uh, they were banged up a little bit as well, but they're they're looking to be mostly um, healthy uh, during during that game. I was looking at their depth chart a little bit earlier. Um, so it looked like really all those, all those key guys, um, you know, kind of should be playing. And as far as UNC's offense as well, um, you know, for the most part we had seen – that they were, you know, that they were straight. But, I mean, it's something to monitor. I mean, availability is, especially for that first week, you know, as you're trying to figure your own team out, as you're trying to figure out, you know, kind of what that identity is, you want to make sure that your personnel's out there. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much, you know, it, it wasn't a ton of, uh, you know, updates uh, uh, from Mac, but, you know, something to monitor for sure. Yeah, I think it's fair to say UNC made it through preseason Camp, relatively healthy. I think Lejean Cavezos was the main, perhaps, contributor who you could say um, yeah, is, Legend, yeah. is not going to be able to play this this uh, early in the season. He, is he out for the year, I believe? No, four uh, to six weeks. Okay. Four to six weeks. Yeah. So he's out he, early. He's off crutches already. Okay. Yeah. So that's, I think, maybe the main contributor who won't be available for this first game. Adam, with all that in mind, some uncertain. Uh, status in the secondary and at some other positions. This is a question from he who wears Carolina blue on the message boards. He asks, who do you think will have to step up, step up and make a major contribution versus South Carolina, given the injuries the team is dealing with? So you can take that based off of the injuries or also just who do you think is going to step up against South Carolina? It's a good question. And yeah, I think just to, just to add to what Jeremiah was saying, I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think we're going to have to, you know, keep our eyes peeled in warmups because they have mm-hmm. been beaten up in some places and they've gotten guys back to practice, but you know, and, and camp is long. I mean, it, it, yep. it is an, it is an, a never ending journey. Sometimes it has to feel like, and we don't play. I can only imagine what it takes <laughs> to be a big tough football player. Who's also fast, you know, but um, I think, I think uh, the opening game of a season after a team has been through training camp you always have to keep your eyes peeled during like pre-game warm-up the binoculars up there ready to go with the where's waldo of who's who's moving okay and who's not moving okay um but yeah i was you know i'm thinking your question was what who who could step up and have a big game or who carolina needs to step up um i mean you know i'm going to i probably get a lot of flack but tommy's not here so i can say (laughs) uh i would i've I'm going to say Kobe Pesor. Um, you know, who knows? We could tomorrow. Tez Walker could de- be declared eligible, and the dude could go for ten catches and 150 yards and two touchdowns. I'm sure that would be wonderful for the people in Tar Heel Blue. But 
Yeah, I feel like Kobe might be one of these guys that sort of has been slept on with, you know, the the names like a Tez Walker and a Nate McCollum through the transfer portal that UNC is expecting big things out of. And, uh, you know, as Jeremiah mentioned, let's not forget the rapport that Drake has with Kobe. They have they seem to have a good a good connection. But um, I mean, Carolina certainly doesn't lack for options at running back at tight end. But I don't know. Maybe I'll go. Maybe I'll go Kobe Pesor. I'm interested to see how it shakes out with the tight ends because, you know, it sounds like from all accounts, it sounds like John Copenhaver has had a great spring and a great summer and a great camp. And he, we think he'll be out there first. They could go two tight ends and Kamari Morales and John Copenhaver could be out there. But, um, you know, what? how do they use a talent like Bryson Nesbitt, who I'm looking at it right now, has slipped to sort of third on the depth chart. I don't think that means he's going to be riding the pine. Right. Um, I just think that maybe they're going to be more selective in using Bryson Nesbitt. You would think in the red zone, the length, the stretchiness of of a Bryson Nesbitt that you know Drake has said, yeah, you throw it up to him, he'll go get it. Uh, so I, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out there, uh, how it shakes out with wide out with the you know the Tez situation. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna my pick to click is gonna be Kobe Pesor, a little under the radar maybe. I like it. We're coming up on the bottom of the hour here, so I have two questions for intern Evan before we do the ad read and, and we uh, get to the second half of the show. First one, Evan, this is a rite of passage for all uh, inside Carolina staff members. How many sacks is Desmond Evan going to get this season? Come on, man. And is it over or under 10 sacks? That's the <laughs> Okay, well. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take the under on the 10. There we go. Uh, Easy one. What's, is, his, is it one in his career or is it zero? I believe it's one. Is it one? I think the number is one career sack for Des Evans. I'm a, I think I'm the question gonna... everybody was asking last year was over under six and a half sacks for Des. Is that right? Yeah, that, that, that was the number. And this, of course, goes back to, to Gregory Hall, who, who started off the On the Beat Live uh, tradition. So we had to get that one in there. Okay. But, Evan, your real question, uh, if you were uh, picking this game, if you were going to give out your, your prediction for who wins and why, uh, what's your take? Man, putting me on the spot early. Um, well, I just wrote the – I'm trying to think. I'll probably go – I'll go North Carolina for this one. Um, kind of looking back on South Carolina, um, I know a lot of the hype surrounding this game is the quarterback battle with Drake May and Spencer Rattler. And just kind of going back through Rattler's season last year, obviously he ended it really, really well. Um those last three games with the big win over at the time, number five, Tennessee at Clemson, which was, I know the first win in that rivalry game for South Carolina in some time. And then the close bowl loss to Notre Dame. Um, he really came came on strong there toward the end, but it, it's really hard to, to look past those first, you know, I guess more than half of the season with him. Uh, I was kind of joking with Adam and Jeremiah the other day with, if you take out the, Tennessee game where Rattler threw for over 400 yards and had six touchdowns and no picks every for every other game that last season Rattler's touchdown to INT ratio was 12 to 12. Um, so I, I don't know how much, I don't know if trust is the right word for it, but I don't know what Spencer Rattler is going to show up. Um, and at the same time, I think most people are pretty confident that Drake may is, is more than likely going to get his in this game um, just with, the consistency he kind of showed uh, last season. And I think <laughs> it's funny to say this. I just, I don't see a way that, I mean, I guess statistically they can't be, I can't see a way where UNC's defense is much worse um, than last year. And, and I think that they did a pretty good job in the, in the portal to get some, some playmakers. Uh, I know Elijah Hussey has been a big talk. Um, funny you bring, you know, Des Evans back up. Obviously he's coming back from, a season in- ending injury last year. I know Kim and Rucker, a lot of people are high on and everyone, I guess not many people have talked about Miles Murphy and, and Miles Murphy was banged up last year and he looks to be healthy and, and Kevin Hester up in the middle. Um, so I expect the defense to to do enough and to be, you know, maybe slightly improved from last year to the point where they can help North Carolina get uh, what would be a really big uh, opening win this season. 
Awesome stuff. Thank you, Evan, for, for joining us for the first half of the show tonight. We'll be seeing Evan a lot this season. He'll be joining On The Beat Live. Make sure you're following him on Twitter as well and reading him on uh, Inside Carolina. I'm going to jump in here uh, and talk about Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. I feel like instead of doing the ad read myself, I'm just sort of repeating what I've memorized Tommy saying all these times because <laughs> yeah. Tommy has it down to a T. Yes. But we know it's back to school season. We know it's the start of a new football season. It's time to go get some new North Carolina gear. Important to support local businesses on Franklin Street as well. So head on down to Johnny T-Shirt. Excuse me. If you're out of town, you can also check out their website. They support Inside Carolina, so we have to do them a favor and help support them. You get a discount as well by using a Inside Carolina code uh, when you're checking out. So be sure to support them. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing. We have 228 people watching us live here on YouTube, which is awesome for the first uh, show of the season as I bring back up the uh, On The Beat background here. I named this show tonight The Big Picture because I think it's a nice opportunity here heading into Mac Brown's fifth season to take a step back, take a pause and kind of understand how the program is doing so far. I think it's a good opportunity to do that before the season starts and, you know, sort of kind of take a step back. So I'm going to read off the records of UNC the last four years under Mac Brown, uh, seven and six going to the military bowl. Uh, it looks like eight and four and the orange bowl, six and seven and the Duke's Mayo bowl. We already talked about that game tonight and last year, nine and five in the mil- uh, in the, in the holiday bowl. That's Mac Brown's body of work thus far. We're going to get into Mac Brown's job in his second stint here in Chapel Hill, how he's done. So we're going to sort of start the questions off a little easy, a little light, and then we'll kind of take the conversation from there. So for Jeremiah and for Adam, we're just going to start things off with the offseason, this past offseason. Knowing everything we know now, now that we have some more data about how good Elijah Huzzy is and maybe how tenuous UNC's situation is at left tackle. How would you grade the UNC football offseason? Adam, I'll start with you. Well, Johnny, uh, I, I couldn't help but think when you're reading off Mac's record, year-by-year records there, uh, if if Mac Brown himself, the birthday boy, uh, was on this show, I guarantee you he would tell you after you had done that, all right, Johnny, now go read the records from before he got there. Because I, what was it, 2017? I think UNC was three and eight, and then 2018 they were two and nine. They won five games the two years before Mac got here. I think that's worth pointing out. Hundred uh, percent in the uh, in the big picture. Also worth pointing out. I saw my guy Sean Crowley over here in the comments. Uh, Sean, that I don't know if I want to out whose phone that was. It was not mine. Uh, older <laughs> man type mistake that you would be right on with that. Um, but yeah, you would think, I, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure people have watched the press conference videos from yesterday. Yeah. I mean, it's a dude's a dude up. Oh, I just say I, I gave the gender, uh, <laughs> dude's phone went off and then it went off again. I mean, when you silence it after it's gone off once, um, anyway, but no, Sean, that was not me. Uh, okay. Sorry. Sorry for the diversion there, John. Um, uh, Rating their offseason. Uh, I mean, I think in terms of like the transfer portal, I thought they did well in the transfer portal. Uh, I think they have a lot of the guys they brought in are going to help them. Um, now, I don't think you could have found uh, Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack in the transfer portal in terms of beefing up the defensive line or Tony Baselli. I'm trying to think of a great left tackle. Anthony Munoz. I'm dating myself. Uh, you know, in the transfer portal. But I, I do think that a lot of the guys they added, and you can see it when you look at, at the, the new depth chart, that uh, they're, they're expecting these guys to play and contribute. 
Um, so I think I would I would give UNC high marks for the offseason. I mean, I think that, you know, some of the guys, I mean, look at the way British Brooks has come back. Um, that's, that's a testament to British Brooks just being jacked and a superhuman physical freak. Um, dudes out there running around without a knee brace in the spring. Look at the way Tamari Fox has responded from the season-long suspension. I mean, he looks incredible. As strong as Tamari Fox is, he's 10 pounds stronger. Um, and as he said, he's getting drug tested all the time now. Um, but, you know, I, I think that I, I would give him good marks. Now, how this is going to translate to this season, we will see. But um, I think short of, you know, finding some game-changing pass rusher, which we'll see what Amari Gaynor can do with, with Cayman Rucker at Jack, the Thunder and Lightning at Jack. But I, I think they I think they acquitted themselves well. I, I think they've had a good offseason. We'll see how it translates. Jeremiah, what about for you? Uh, yeah, as far as a grade, I did go ahead and put a letter grade on it. I said a B. That is a good grade, ladies and gentlemen. That is a 3.0 <laughs> right. uh, translation. <laughs> Don't get mad at me. Um, look, when I look when I look at UNC, it looks like their running game improved. Uh, first of all, the fact that they kept all their running backs, I was actually very shocked that nobody entered the uh, the transfer portal just because of how crowded it was and how Mac was establishing early on. You know, we want to kind of have two guys that we can just kind of go yeah. with. Great um, point. Which, based on the depth chart, that's going to be British Brooks and that's going to be Marion Hampton as, as those, I guess, primary two guys. And they also have put a extra emphasis on that running game, kind of making it a collaborative effort between, you know, all the different coaches, the tight end coaches and the uh, – uh, or Freddie Kitchens and, and, uh, and, and Randy Clements and obviously Larry Porter, who's the running back coach. So they're, they're putting an emphasis on that, and they have talent in that room. That is a positive. And based on what Mac Brown was saying, they have gotten – uh, great production from uh, Jacoby Cowan and Bo Atkinson. Those are guys that uh, are kind of going to help bolster the defensive line depth. I think the defensive line depth on paper actually looks pretty good right now. I I'm, I think that's a positive right now. You bring back Cedric Gray, who had the potential to leave. You bring back Corey Gaynor. Those are two important starters that you have. Your secondary starts fresh. You have just you have a clean slate in that secondary. Obviously, Jason Jones is um, you know kind of doing what he's doing out there, and they have high part, high marks, high praise for him. Um, like Adam was talking about, you get Fox back, and then they did do well in the transfer portal. You bring in Elijah Huzzy, someone who they're excited about, Tez Walker and Nate McCollum, which I think is big considering that you just lost two wide receivers to the NFL. You bring in Amari Gaynor, you bring in Lampkin. Those are guys that are going to be starting for you this year. Why is it not an A, A-plus, or whatever? It took a while just based on what they were saying and based on some of what we saw. It's it's taking them a while to get that offensive line depth there. Um, I think that's really crucial when you're bringing in, when you're playing uh, Drake May again, you're expecting big things from him. And also just the running game in general. Um, I remember Chip Lindsey, I'm not going to act like, you know, he said it was the end of the world. But he did say a few weeks ago that they weren't quite there yet with their offensive line depth. Um, now it sounds like obviously they've, you know, they've got a, a depth chart out there. They're going to, you know, kind of roll out week one. They knew who they know who their starters are, but we'll kind of see if they're if they're going to be able to kind of get consistency from that unit. Um, now Des Evans and Travis Shaw have gotten some good reports uh, from practice as well, um, from the from the training camp practices as well. But we will see kind of you know where their production kind of is at you know, are they going to become the players that they were kind of brought in uh, expectation wise? Um, are they going to kind of get those expectations, get to those expectations that people kind of have kind of placed on them so far, the cornerback room, um, the, the secondary overall, like I said, does have a bit of a fresh start. It might not be as experienced as they would like it to be. That's not anybody's fault. That's just a matter of, uh, you know, what they, just what they have out there. Marcus Allen had some big, minutes last year or had to play some really big snaps late last year. Huzzy is new. He's experienced in college football, but he's new to obviously this, uh, you know, this system. I know he's been practicing with them since the spring, but nothing like playing a real game. So we'll see with that. Tayon Holloway, they're praising him a lot. Also uh, a really young guy. So, you know, you have the fresh start, but, you know, you kind of have to see what that trio can do together. And they're, 
another thing. They're still looking for that fourth linebacker. Um, it sounded like, obviously, Amari Campbell was going to be the guy to kind of fill in for Cedric Gray, Power Eccles. That was a thing last year. Those guys really had to play the whole game in a lot of cases, couldn't sub out as much as the coaching staff probably wanted them to. They're still kind of looking for that fourth linebacker. So, um, And then also, this is obviously, again, not a fault of UNC, but the Tez Walker thing is still up in the air. Will he play? Will he not be able to play? That does kind of impact what you want to be able to do. They're probably going the right direction as far as I mean, Mac Brown said yesterday they have two different game plans. I think that's probably the smartest thing to do. Just be ready for whichever situation. Be ready if, you know, they get off the bus in Charlotte and they get the call from the NCAA. We got to get the helmet from the bus. We got to get the jersey off the bus. He's going to, we're going to have him ready to play no matter what. That's probably a good idea. Um, so I'm going to go with a B, um, which is, like I said, that's a good offseason. That's probably what you want you know, coming off of a nine win season. Um, so I think they I think they have a lot in the offseason that they should be happy about. But I definitely think there are some things that need, they need to be thinking about as we head into week one. What an excellent answer from Jeremiah. My God, I mean, that was like a he's like presenting a term paper. Um, I, lo- I love it. I love it. I mean, it was a great yeah, answer. I try. I try. He's Jeremiah. Uh, well, I, as I was listening to all those good points that he, I mean, one by one, he's just knocking them out. Um, it sort of struck me. Yeah, like, think about, here's something I just was thinking about as I'm listening to Jeremiah talk. Think about uh, Corey Gaynor, uh, Cedric Gray, Ed Montellis, they're, they're a bunch mm-hmm. of British Brooks. Um, they're guys that, that are going to be starting – and playing for UNC that could have just moved on. I mean, Corey Gaynor is in his seventh year of college football. Uh, Cedric Gray could have gone to the NFL. Um, didn't like his draft grade, wanted a higher draft grade. As the coaches have said, wanted to come back and try to chase a championship. Um, you know, they're, they're, in terms of you're thinking about offseason and addition and changes, uh, I think it's important to point out that they kept some guys, like, you know, in terms of not losing guys. Um, cause you certainly could, uh, I mean, that's a great point on the running backs. One of the running backs easily could have gotten in the transfer portal. Corey Gaynor could have said, I'm going to move on with my life and, and not submit myself to a collision 80 times a game. Uh, and Cedric Gray could, you know, he could go get paid, um, and play NFL football. So I think that might be, those might be some little areas to think about, you know, Ed Montellis was done with football for a few weeks, if not a month. And then I believe Mac walked in one day in January, February, and was like, Ed Montellis is coming back, you know? And, like, we're like, wow, okay. Um, so I, I would just add that to Jeremiah's excellent, well-researched, well-thought-out answer. <laughs> I got some uh, I got some educators in my family, so I had to represent. <laughs> they said, give a grade. I had to do my best. <laughs> I'm going to throw out one name as well that, that you all uh, didn't mention terms of when I think about offseason and upgrading the roster, Ryan Coe at the kicker position I think Ooh. is a is a big one. That's one of those you don't think about that in the offseason, especially when you're playing the, the hypothetical games. But they're going to need a kicker uh, starting Saturday night. And I think he is a major upgrade. I think that's a clear point where UNC got better this offseason. Adam? Ab- I mean, here's the deal, John. If you go, I encourage people go read through Ryan Coe's bio. Like this dude has set kicking records. Uh, he's an all-conference level kicker at Cincinnati, which we know is a great football program. With that said, I don't know what the heck is going on, but the things that Jeremiah and I have heard around the practice is that UNC is a little disappointed with Ryan Coe and and his consistency. Maybe Noah Burnett's in there too, because we've heard they we've heard that they want more consistency out of the place kickers. I'm sure you do. You want them to make every kick. Um, you know, I jokingly said to someone the other day, "Is the ball different that he's kicking here in Chapel Hill than in Cincinnati, Ohio? Maybe a Hoosiers Gene Hackman style, you know, measure the rim uh, before the state championship game reference there." Um, so I don't know, man. Like I thought, I, I totally agree with you that I thought that. When they got Ryan Coe out of the, the portal, I was like, okay, well, this guy's the kicker for all 12, 13, 14 games. You know, that issue is solved, particularly with the way Burnett ended last year. He was he was struggling. You know, it's 
it's crazy with those kickers how if if the confidence goes or whatever goes mechanically you know it's like a golfer you know it's like if it, if it goes it goes and uh it went the wrong way on Burnett there at the end of last year but I don't know like th- this is this is going to be an interesting situation to monitor with Ryan Coe because I was I frankly I'm surprised that we have heard that you know that they're they're not thrilled with the lack of consistency um maybe it's just a preseason thing I don't know um maybe it's better when the the lights come on I like what George says games is what matters with kickers. So we will find out very quickly starting on Saturday night whether Ryan Coe is up to the task or whether it's Noah Burnett. I want to transition to talk a little bit about this upcoming season, still talking about the big picture. And Adam, I got this question idea from your question at the press conference. Oh, no. When you asked Mac Brown about sort of how he approaches a season knowing that he has a special quarterback uh, in Drake May. So I'm going to kind of take that question and, and twist it a little bit because I do think the dynamic coming into this season is very interesting. Mac Brown is looking for sort of right that big statement with Drake May as his quarterback. But in the back of your mind, you also have to look at the reality of the situation. There's a chance Drake May doesn't play in the bowl game. So it's possible that what you need to get out of Drake May in terms of taking advantage of him comes in the 12-game regular season. I'm not saying, you know, obviously Sam Howell played in in the bowl game. I'm not saying Drake will or won't play. We're a long way away from that. But I'm kind of thinking about that in the back of my mind. Jeremiah, I'll start with you on this one. Drake May is a a once-in-a-generation quarterback. He is a Heisman Trophy candidate. He is an elite quarterback. What does UNC have to do in order to take advantage of this season with Drake May on the field? Well, on the field, I would say they need guys who are consistent on the outside. They need some guys that they know that they can trust pass catching wise. I think they have that. I actually think they have several guys that they're going to be able to get the ball to, um, whether it's, like I said, you know, putting George Petaway in that slot. Uh, I think that's another thing that I think went well for them. They found a role for Petaway, uh, kind of decluttered the running back room, so to speak. Um, I think they have some really good tight ends just for, you know, the short stuff. Um, we'll see what happens as far as Tez Walker and his availability, but you do have Nate McCollum, you do have Kobe Pesor. I think they're going to have some guys that you can be you're going to be able to throw to. But I would throw that in there. Uh, you need to be able to block for him. Uh, you need to make sure that you uh, give him time to throw. I know Mac has been talking about he's getting the ball out uh, a little bit quicker, which is something that they want. Mac and Chip Lindsay have been talking about the fact that his footwork has improved. Uh, but you do want to be able to block for him. I think that is your that is your just that's the moneymaker right there, literally. Like that is the guy that you need um save. And that's the guy that's gonna give you a chance in every game. Um what UNC to me, what UNC should want, obviously, and I'm sure this, <laughs> this is the goal for every ACC team, but they should want another shot at that ACC ACC championship game. I do think Florida and I'm sorry, Florida State and Clemson are better teams, but you got to think if this really is Drake Mays last year, I know he teased at the ACC kickoff the idea of potentially staying. I mean, if the guy throws 40 touchdowns to, I don't know, five interceptions, I don't really see that happening, but you have to think this is last year. So you're going to want to, you know, try to do something that you haven't done since 1980, you know, while you have him on the, while you have him on the roster. Um, Cause after he leaves, I mean, when is your when is your next opportunity going to be to kind of win the to win the conference? And one more thing I will say, and look, like I said, you have Drake May, you want to take your best shot. I wonder if beating Clemson should be on that wish list. You know what I mean? Like, you know, while you have him here, um, you know, just trying to take advantage of that time. When you look back at the quote unquote the Drake May years at UNC, what do you want to be able to say? Right now you can say we had the nine-win season. That's the most since Mac Brown returned. He was tenth in Heisman voting. Man, I wish Greg Barnes. I wish I would have took note. He had the he had the the stat on the podcast the other day of, um, you know, I think it was the highest finish for UNC football players since a long time. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, as far as a, a Heisman vote. But like I said, you want to be able to look back at the Mac, the the Drake May years, and say, what did we get done? You know, can you put the Clemson win on that list. You can put an ACC championship appearance. You can put a Coastal Division title. Um, 
but you know what can we kind of add to the uh to the the years or you know what we remember from the drake may years so i think those are some things that they should consider while they have a talent like that on the roster and some pretty good pieces on that offense as well it's crazy to think about as jeremiah says the drake may years we're talking about the drake may era and (laughs) you know the guys started one year yeah yeah (laughs) like what is it, August 29th? Well, I guess they played August 27th last year. I was going to say, this time last yeah, year, he hadn't started yeah. a game. But um, they did have the week zero game. Yeah, the Drake May era. I mean, I I think I think you have to try to savor – if you're a UNC football fan, and I enjoy covering Drake May. I think we all have to um, enjoy this. Uh, I It's crazy to – I heard, John, you're already predicting a bowl game for him, which I think is a solid <laughs> But um, I don't know. I think Drake would play. And this guy's going to probably be a first-round draft pick. Um, but, I mean, yeah, we can sort that out in December, obviously. But, I, you know, like you said, Sam Howell played. Drake takes a lot of cues from Sam Howell. I mean, Sam Howell is – Drake has three older brothers, but Sam Howell is a big brother sort of uh, figure for Drake. And he watched, he watched Sam sort of tough it out um, through that six and seven years, Sam's final year. And I think he, I think he took a lot of uh, notes on how Sam approached things and things of that nature. But um, I don't know. I, I don't know if we're supposed to give season predictions here, um, but I will throw it out. I've got UNC going 10 and two, uh, which uh, I think I predicted eight and four last year. 10 and two might be, uh, what am I? I'm looking at through uh powdered blue glasses i'm gonna say 10 and 2 they won nine games last year um and i think that that's just what they've only won that amount of games twice now since mac left the first time fedora Mm -hmm. had the one great year um where they won 11 games i think it was in 2015 but i'm gonna say 10 and 2 i could be wrong i don't know i'm gonna say they beat south carolina Uh 34 30 on saturday night in charlotte north carolina at bank of america stadium uh, the last time that these teams met, uh, Shane Beamer was getting mayonnaise dumped over his head, uh, as we very well know. But I'm going to say, yeah, and I, I do think that, oh, my goodness, yeah, beating Clemson would be uh, sort of a mantelpiece type thing. But I do, th- I am going to say in my 10 and 2 prediction that I have them losing at Clemson. I'm going to say that. I know that's not a very uh, wild thing to say because everyone goes to Clemson and loses. I think it'll be very interesting to see how that FSU Clemson game goes early in the season in Death Valley. Um, but that's what I've got. I've got 10 and two. I'm going to say they beat South Carolina. I'll tell you, they get off to a fast start. I'm looking at that game at Pitt in the fourth week as a possible stumbling block because I just think Pitt is tough. But um, we'll see what happens. And I think, Adam, that would be a record that would take advantage of potentially Drake May's final year. I think. Going ten and two, hitting oh, that yeah. mark, I think that's an example of doing it. Um, the the number we were talking a little bit about it, I, I believe it's basically since as long as I've been alive. In the last twenty five years, UNC has had a nine wins or greater season uh, twice. I think the uh, ACC championship in twenty fifteen and last season. So I think taking advantage of Drake May looks like putting back to back nine win seasons on the table. I think that would be a great example of doing that. Another one for me would be marquee moments. So Jeremiah, that's kind of the the win against Clemson. That's kind of what I'm thinking about there. Like having a game where UNC goes into a hostile environment as a ranked opponent and really makes a mark on a national stage. I think that's a a way to take advantage of, of Drake May. And I think for me as well, it's, trying to find a way to end the season on a really strong note, a high note, yeah. whether that's the regular season or whether it's the bowl game. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the kind of cool things about college football. Uh, there is one Super Bowl champion. There there just is. There's one World Series champion. And, you know, maybe in the professional leagues, there's a few teams that can talk themselves into, oh, you know, we weren't trying to, to win this season. We were trying to be really bad, so we're on the upslope. But what's cool about college football is that you can have a successful season without winning the national championship because you can win your conference or you can win your bowl game, you can win your last game. So I think doing that 
I think, is a way to take advantage of Drake May's last season. Mac Brown has had some highs in his second time around in Chapel Hill. I mean, obviously the, the Orange Bowl, uh, the win over Miami in, in that COVID season, I think both of those count. Last season's win against Wake Forest and Winston-Salem is another high. Uh, I honestly think getting on college game day this week is, is a high, um, but I think winning the last game and kind of ending this, this season on a high note would be another notch under Mac Brown's belt in, in his second stint here in Chapel Hill. Jeremiah, before we get out of here, Adam already gave his predictions. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot too yeah, much, yeah. but how are you thinking about UNC's record this season? And are you willing to go out there and even give a record prediction before we uh, close tonight? Yeah, my record prediction is going to be, and I said this, I don't remember, it was either last week or the week before, uh, and a couple people were not super happy about it. Um, my record prediction for UNC is eight and four. Um, it's not as much on UNC. I just I just look at the team and I think it's a talented team. Uh, I think they got better in some areas. I think there are probably a few question marks um, in other areas. I don't know. I just maybe it's just a gut feeling thing. I just kind of wonder like if something's missing. Like I know the Tez Walker situation being up in the air that that impacts a lot. Um, it's just, it's just so much, so much is up in the air. Don't forget to add the playoff wins. <laughs> George. We'll see. We, we, we shall see. We shall see. How about, how about this? How about for 12 games? I'm going to, I'm going to go eight and four. Um, yeah. now if they go to now, here's the thing. They only have one ranked opponent on the schedule. That's Clemson. That's for right now. Um, that's the only currently ranked opponent that they have. So I think if I'm wrong and they get more than eight wins, that means that, Obviously, Tess Walker played. It means that the defense stepped up in ways that, you know, we couldn't have, you know, predicted. I know that they, you know, they feel good about it right now. Um, I think it. I think really it means that they got a lot more sacks. Um, you know, they were able to control the clock a little bit better. Um, but right now, as of August 29th, that's kind of uh, where I'm leaning. I think there's a few questions. Also, while I'm here, I just want to say really quickly uh, – I did cover South Carolina last year, but I've, I've kind of realized I'm not going to be able to please people because when I was at South Carolina, they were looking at me like, oh, this guy's a UNC graduate. You know, he's biased. He's a Tar Heel, whatever. When I got back here, they were saying, you know, oh, he was just down there. He's been brainwashed, whatever. So I just want to say currently, like, you know, I, I try to shoot it straight, try to not be biased. I just kind of call it how I see it. I know there's nothing I can do to to limit any of that, but I just wanted to to say that uh, I know I'm probably not going to be able to avoid it. I might bring this up more than one time, but I just <laughs> wanted to throw that out there uh, while I, quote, unquote, have the floor. But, yeah. <laughs> A house-divided situation. Now, I mean, <laughs> Jeremiah, you can't help that your first job was covering the Gamecocks. I mean, that's I what – I can't. I can't. I mean, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, what we, we're supposed to be unbiased and you're supposed to um, – Play it, play it fair, and everything. I think, I think there's no doubt that you do. I mean, hey, some good-natured flack is always going to be a part of it's it. It's all you know? good. It's all. I mean, good. Always. It's all love. Yeah, yeah, always. I mean, it's a good thing that people care. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, right. I was going to make one quick, quick, a couple notes before we got out of here, Johnny. Um, interestingly enough, or maybe not interestingly enough, um, I was thinking that Mac Brown's very first game as coach of the UNC Tar Heels was against South Carolina. I believe it was 1988 um, that they played South Carolina. And then for Mac 2.0, his very first game, as we all know, 2019, was against South Carolina in Charlotte. Uh, some true freshman named Sam Howell started the game and led him on a fourth-quarter comeback to win. So, you know, I know the UNC-South Carolina um, series or rivalry, if you want to call it, you know, there's a lot of different connections, especially in basketball, too, the Frank McGuire stuff um from from way back but uh really dating myself there but you know max first ever game as coach of the of carolina was against south carolina and then mac 2.0 started against south carolina so i've always thought that was kind of a neat little nugget to consider when you think about the tar heels and the gamecocks i like it we are coming up on the 10 o'clock hour here on the east coast if you're watching us live here on youtube thank you so much for watching we had 241 visitors for the first show of the year which is awesome so thank mm -hmm. you so much you. i'm going to do a quick rundown of the show schedule this week uh sean crowley 
Uh, shout out to Sean. He's one of our most loyal uh, viewers here. So I'm going to do a rundown for him and for everyone listening. I don't want to spoil it, but Taylor Vipolis has an amazing show coming out tomorrow. It's going straight to YouTube. It'll be all over the message boards as well. So keep an eye out for Taylor Vipolis's show with a special guest. I can't reveal who that special guest is, but it's going to be awesome. So keep an eye out for that football-focused show dropping tomorrow. Tomorrow evening at 9 p.m., we are doing the season predictions pod with the rest of the beat crew other than Adam and Jeremiah who gave their picks tonight. So we're looking forward to that show. Thursday is the game plan. So Tommy, the hardest working man uh, at Inside Carolina, who will we, he'll be back. He'll be back. People are asking me. He'll be back uh, on, on the beat uh, throughout the season. He'll be uh, leading that show on Thursday. And then Saturday, I believe they have a live show. Uh, lined up from a construction site or vacant parking lot uh, from uh, Charlotte. So that'll be uh, exciting. Um, Adam and Jeremiah, are you both going to Charlotte? Absolutely. Absolutely. I believe it's the, I was just looking, I believe it is Frothy Beard Brewing Company on Saturday, I believe is the spot for the IC uh, pregame radio and tailgate. That's one we should encourage people to stop by the IC tailgate and Mm -hmm. Have some fun, hang out, play cornhole. I think you can. I think it's Frothy Beard. Someone Google it. I think it's Frothy Beard Brewing Company in Charlotte. It's on Graham Street, which is sort of right by the stadium. So that's something to keep in mind when you head down to Charlotte for Saturday. And yes, of course, you know Jeremiah and I will be down there. We're looks like we're gonna have blanket coverage, hopefully. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I I love it. Well, I'm looking forward to reading what you all write about the game, looking forward to the game itself. We will be back next Tuesday to break it all down. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an exciting show next Tuesday. There's only two things going to happen. UNC can win and can lose. We'll break it down no matter which way it goes next week on On the Beat Live. Thanks, everyone, for watching, and we'll talk to you next week.